Hello everyone, this is a podcast of one's own. Um, we're back and today we're here, or I'm here with our president Esther. Hello. And um, most importantly, one of our fantastic members, <laughs> Kaylee. And she, um, today we're going to be talking about disability and feminism. And Kaylee was the one who actually hosted the session. So, and I think it was, it was Amazing. a fantastic, it was so yeah, it yes. was a fantastic session. So we met up with her today, um, in case you missed it, or for those of you who aren't regular members, so you can get some input on, um, her thoughts on disability and feminism and all the issues the movement still has with it because it's still, um, exclusive in a way, mm-hmm. like it's not, not inclusive of, um, disabled people and disabled women so um but first i think we have to talk about language because i remember that was the first point you brought up and you were saying how um it's appropriate to use the terms disabled person and non-disabled person rather than able-bodied or not able-bodied and i was a bit not surprised but i remember referring Mm. to myself or other people as able-bodied yeah why why is that i think it's okay if you self-identify as able-bodied mm-hmm. knowing that you don't have a disability but yeah. i think if you start uh, like polarizing yeah, yeah like assigning that label to other people that you yeah. don't know and be it being such a binary as well is quite dangerous yeah. because as you know like esther could have a disability and mm. if i go and call her able-bodied when she really does have a disability it's not that's not inclusive. Yeah. Some disabilities are more visible than others. Of course, yeah. Then I guess it's also like any form of binary, like you're saying, is mm. just dangerous as it is because it's going to just create more of a divide mm. bet- like socially that just the perception of like someone who is able-bodied and someone mm. who's not able-bodied, like that becomes much more of a contrast. Where yeah. like, whereas if you see more of a spectrum, then there's going to be a lot more... I think, like, compassion and understanding as well. Mm. The biggest example I can think of is, like, accessible toilets and accessible parking. There's Mm. so many times when someone would maybe walk out of an accessible toilet and get yelled at or shouted at, like, oh, you shouldn't be in there, you shouldn't be doing that, you shouldn't be parking there, why do you have a blue badge? And it's, like, well, not everyone... um, There's a wheelchair user. Exactly, yeah, and there is a lot of kind of like a campaign you might have seen them already on some accessible toilets it says not all disabilities are visible and things like that and i don't know the exact exact stats but there's a very very of all the disabled people in the uk or the world there's a very 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 small percentage are actually wheelchair users but yeah the symbol of disability is the wheelchair yeah so it's quite interesting that yeah some people feel like well if you're not in a wheelchair or if you're not on sticks or have you know like an amputation then don't call yourself that Mm -hmm. yeah I think as well like I because I can remember at my work we have uh like one disabled toilet on the ground floor and then you have to go downstairs for for the other toilets and a lot of people don't know that the other toilets like they like they won't notice because they'll only see the disabled one Mm -hmm. and I remember this one time there was someone like walked looked around like for a toilet and then she saw it and then she started walking and I was like oh we have more toilets downstairs and she was like I'm disabled and I was like oh, oh my god I'm so sorry because obviously then she yeah. noticed that there were toilets downstairs but she was looking for the disabled mm. toilet and I didn't like, you're blushing right now I'm just was, thinking no, about it was it. terrible 
example. Like yeah. it was so, and I was, that was like a reality check for me, where I was obviously something that I knew before. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. there are those um, signs in oh. certain places, like all disabilities are not visible. Uh, and I, I mean, since that happened, I was like, I'm not gonna like ever call someone out for that again. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like just an understanding socially that like don't occupy disabled toilets if you don't need them mm-hmm. and just trust that the people that need them for sure or are. changing rooms yeah in, yeah like, um just clothing stores or something yeah because when there's not a person in a wheelchair in a queue people just go in there mm. and just you know try on clothes and i'm like what i mean yeah. Just because there's not, you know, a wheelchair user here present yeah. doesn't mean there's not maybe a person in the queue who actually needs that room. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just... Um, but also, like, um, I don't know where it was, but I remember hearing, in tr- like, language-wise that most, or, like, not most people, but those people sort of preferred, it was, like, a person before the disease thing yeah, or something, yeah. like, a person before the condition. So it's, like, a person with a disability rather than mm-hmm. saying disabled person. Yeah, mm. I think person first language person is first sort of thing. Yeah. Um, mm. You see it in other places, like, um, I'm just thinking of like, oh, uni, like mm-hmm. cultural theory, literary theory. You always mm-hmm. see like person of color is like what you would say yeah. over, mm-hmm. you know, black person, black person in a yeah. sort of academic sense anyway. But um, when it comes to disability, I think it is more important to say disabled person personally I'd rather someone saw me as that than like oh a person first because if someone said to me oh I don't see you as disabled I see you as a person I see you Mm. as you know you're an individual first that's great you know and I appreciate Mm. that but it really does negate a lot of my identity and needs for once with people of colour or Mm. other um like gender and sexualities of course we're all people yeah but those identities don't really have an impact in other areas yeah i I think it's also like i know that there's a lot of like discussion about especially using the term like a person of color or black person that is debated quite a lot because Mm -hmm. saying person of color is quite white centric Okay, yeah. because it's like you're saying that white is the norm and then this person is someone who's colored mm, where colored, it's like yeah. if black and white are I like remember which how one colored is more used, color you colored know what I mean? used to be a term like yeah. no one says that anymore no, no one yeah. says like it's a colored person cause no then, yeah but then so like I think it's a it's it's a difficult one because obviously for each case you would have to listen to that minority group and say mm. like what do they actually want you to talk like use when you talk about I think that's that's the most important thing yeah but I feel like I I remember a girl on my course saying she doesn't believe in the concept of race or something Mm. she's like there's no race like people are people and Mm. yeah and I didn't want to get into a fight with her because she's quite (laughs) like full on but in my head I was just like but that's like that's bullshit I mean (laughs) yeah that's I'm sorry but you don't have like you're yeah. obviously she was white mm. so um <laughs> yeah and then i don't want to like make fun of her because i'm sure she she comes because she was like she's from I mean, sweden I mean, she was like oh back home it's not a thing because we're more progressive and we, we've moved like we've moved <laughs> past that and i was like really <laughs> i mean the thing is someone saying that mm. i know that someone saying 
like oh I don't see color mm-hmm. that it's it's meant in the nicest way yeah. all the time every time yeah. people are saying that like oh but I don't put value mm-hmm. based on based yeah, on I don't see like difference that. no exactly mm-hmm. but there's like that's where it's like becomes dangerous obviously when you don't acknowledge there's a difference mm-hmm. you can't see to the different needs of different people exactly. and experiences yeah, I think that's really important and also when it comes to sort of mental health conditions I try like at the moment I'm trying to get better at just sort of um, not like getting rid of the vocabulary that mm-hmm. we all use like every day like oh my god this is so crazy like that person's so crazy and yeah. we just throw around these terms yeah. which is kind of it is a bit disrespectful mm-hmm. in, in a way for a person with a mental health condition. But it is really hard and baby steps here. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also, we don't always have to beat ourselves up about... Um, mm-hmm. For example, when you use the wrong pronouns because you just don't know any better. I think when a person then says, oh, I'm actually... I want to be referred to as they, them or mm-hmm. she, her or whatever... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then you know it and then it won't happen again. But don't beat yourself up if you make a mistake and if you don't use the mm. correct term in, in the first place, as long as you're trying and as long as you're listening. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, we spoke a bit about the social model of disability. Yeah. Uh, what's the difference to like the medical model? So the medical model of disability is sort of came from like, eugenics and very very old outdated Mm. psychology and medicine Mm -hmm. um, that basically says a person is disabled due to the condition that they have whether that's like uh, chronic acquired or um, yeah like physiological yeah absolutely anything that is quote unquote wrong with them Mm. um, that is the reason that they are the way they are and um, in the 18th even up to the 19th century um, disabled people would be classed next to like criminals, the insane, and just like mm. the undesirables, which is yikesy. <laughs> and it was all just they didn't understand, like the underlining yeah. of it all. It was really really weird. So, the social model came about, sort of kind of inspired by like other progressive groups mm-hmm. like um the civil rights movement and things like that to say you know, the things that are quote-unquote wrong with us aren't wrong with us because of the colour of our skin, who we love, no. um, you know, if they were... Like they're not inherently wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the barriers that we face are because of society. It's mm. um, society's fault that I can't access education, healthcare. Or even a building. Um, a building. Yeah. Yeah. A physical <laughs> building. Yeah. A bus. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> anything. Um which then moves the blame from the actual individual to yeah. the society. Which is where it belongs. Yeah. yeah. There is some instances where it doesn't go like 100%. For instance, if I had a condition that meant that... Um, so like epilepsy and yeah. um, if I had seizures every day and it meant that I couldn't work, that mm. isn't technically society's fault. That is my mm. own condition stopping me from yeah. working. But it would be society's fault if then the work fired me because of it or didn't give me reasonable adjustments to you know work around it Mm. um so yeah it's not perfect but it is heaps and bounds better than the medical model definitely yeah for sure i think it's really important as well for people that to understand like i 
not heard of it named like that, but mm. I have heard about like the sort yeah, of that perspective yeah. and like that thinking. Um, and I think it's super, super important for both for uh, disabled people and for, for people that don't like don't have the experience mm-hmm. to get used to this frame of mind because when you start thinking about it, there's so much in society right now, just like physical like in like infrastructure mm. and and uh, safety sort of systems and networks like that just don't um kind of accommodate mm-hmm. for for anything other than the norm which is yeah and even just saying that that it's like normative mm-hmm. to not have a disability is also quite detrimental i think yeah the social model definitely sort of challenges the the norm and the statistical view of even the body like when we were speaking the other week about uh medicine and feminism and Mm -hmm. how that all these tests that are getting done and treatments that are being tested are usually on a certain group of people yeah men Men, which is the default yeah Yeah, a default exactly Mm -hmm. so um an able body is the default no matter what yeah and Uh, like i I remember not look. I didn't look specifically into it when we did the gender and medicine because the focus was between gen and uh, men and women. Uh, gender, but like any type of study like that is also going to be like heavily biased against disabled community because for a multitude of different reasons they're just not going to be a part of the sample group. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I think that makes society at large kind of underestimate mm-hmm. the like portion of like the, the actual demographic group that it is because I think it's largely seen as this tiny little majority like minority mm-hmm. that you know and that's why it's also kind of I guess can be brushed under the rug certain things like oh but like yeah we could make these changes blah blah, blah but it's only like a tiny portion of the mm-hmm. population that it actually matters for and then you're like yeah but no though yeah. like there's much more people that are affected by this than people actually think. Yeah. I know that when Zena was looking at um, psychology papers from even this year, not even from like the 50s or 60s, and it was comparing uh, some study to do with people with bipolar disorder and they do the, the, sub, the test groups and even the way that you label them, it would be the unhealthy and healthy group. So immediately it's like, oh, so you if you didn't have BPD... Yeah. You know, you're healthy, you're fine, you're able. But if you do, then you're unhealthy, which language... Yes. Yeah, that is... I mean, surely health has to be, uh, like, an sort of an attribute that's mm. that you're able to recover from, mm. like, if you're unhealthy. Yes. Mm. So you can't say that someone is unhealthy if they have, like, a chronic issue mm. that... Or, or, like, or, or, like, I don't know, a chronic disease, I guess, maybe... Dep- I mean, it depends, but like you couldn't say yeah. that someone's unhealthy because they have a disability. No, because that's just the, it's just the way that it is. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just like one condition of living as opposed to another. Yeah. Um. So I I found it also like speaking about the world not sort of accommodating um your your needs as a disabled person. You brought up some numbers. Um that were actually quite shocking. So 86% of disabled people found the access information to buildings misleading or incorrect. Yeah. 
and less than 8% of disabled people feel confident mm. when leaving the house, um, oh, which is a whole issue in itself. Because mm. if you're not even confident mm. enough to leave the house, obviously, like everything else is going to be so much harder, like applying for, for jobs, for universities. Mm. Yeah, even like going out socializing and you just marginalizing mm. an entire group of people yeah. um, which certainly isn't their fault mm. like I feel like the mindset when you're like oh just get over yourself like just leave the house just yeah. do it but then it's, it's like, not especially that if, easy. if society is just not going to be accommodating mm. once you go out mm -hmm. either and the fact that a lot of people then don't feel comfortable going out and mm. ends up like causing isolation is also it going to make invisible, people yeah, yeah exactly mm -hmm. It really feels the really stupid argument that some institutions or even venues have that's like, oh, well, we don't have any disabled access because disabled people don't come or so they wouldn't do you want think to. They don't come? And I'm like, boy, why? Yeah. It's... Weren't you talking about um, in the session how, uh, like, a lecture that you once attended where there was literally no space in the auditorium and you had to sort of be in the like almost in like the in, the, in the doorway yeah that happens in quite a lot of mm. unis which is strange and then they might turn around and say like oh well we've never had a wheelchair mm. using student before so like, or, why did you not think about the yeah. possibility that you could have one yeah. like yeah. which also if you if you make sure that um even when you've never had a disabled person attending that lecture um just make sure that it would be possible for them, mm -hmm. they will come. Yeah. But if it's just not accessible yeah. for them, obviously they're not feel gonna feel included and welcome. Like we were talking one of our members is studying like in, we were talking about it in the session, one of our members studying interior design and just the mm -hmm. fact that it it was kind of um she's in second year I think so like maybe it hasn't gotten that far but then I, like we were talking about how shocking it was that it was not more of a discussion, like it was yeah. not more prevalent in every single project that they yeah. do, that literally everything needs to be accessible. Like that mm. should be the baseline. It should yeah. not be like, oh, and remember to consider this or like for this To put project, it in a footnote. Or like, yeah. or like have like a specific project, like now you're going to make something that is accessible. Like, no, like that mm. should be yeah. one criteria for every single project mm. because every single thing that is built and designed Like, say, if, no matter if it's interior design or, like, architecture, mm -hmm. everything should be, Has should, should like, access, that should yeah. be, like, but honestly, the criteria like, for it yeah. to even be done in the first place. This lack of, sort of, or this being, like, in, on a course where it's a, it should be a crucial compo component and they're just so inconsiderate, I mean, it doesn't, it, it's sad, but it doesn't surprise me when I think back to, like, school for example like we've never learned anything about the history mm. or like the sort of the movement yeah. that yeah. you were speaking about for a bit like the milestones at least yeah you know it was yeah. never mentioned it anywhere. wouldn't if you going back to buildings if mm. even if every single building in the entire world was accessible that wouldn't stop ableism but mm. Um, and people being excluded but even if that was like you said the absolute baseline mm -hmm. but they, the, if you get to the stage where you're working in construction or estates but you've never ever learned about how steep a ramp should or shouldn't be or like how yeah, high no, lights exactly. should be you're not going to consider it and it's mm -hmm. not exactly their fault they, they're not if they're not disabled they're not going to have The entire knowledge and you know oh, yeah, for sure. understanding of where things should be and where they shouldn't mm. 
So mm. yeah, education if it started from like high school at least. Yeah. And like art projects, reading about it in English or you know considering the yeah. statistics, then it yeah. might be a little bit um, more. Yeah, at least anyway. like um the independent living movement mm-hmm. to some extent should. Yeah, but I feel covered. like you could introduce it also like super early. Like if you yeah. had kids and they're like, "Oh, can we not take the mm. take the lift?" and then you could be like, "Oh, but how about we take the stairs and leave the lift for someone who needs it?" Mm. Like you can say that mm. to to a small child, yeah, and they would start, they like they would pick it up quite quickly, mm. like just make it part of the, mm. the like. I've had children like come up and they'd maybe be like, "Oh, what's that?" They see the wheelchair and they're like, "Oh, yeah. well, why is that girl in that what?" And then the mum pulls them away, like, "Don't look, yeah, don't like, look at them, a, don't do this that." This is an opportunity like, for education. Okay. Yeah, literally, and that just Where, teaches a child yeah. like you shouldn't approach people like that. Yeah. Or step away from them. Don't that is, you know? Just ignore them. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, I I do. Mm, oh, I, I think for some people it's just kind of like, they don't really know how to. Yeah. deal with it and they don't want to be in- insensitive mm. um, assuming the best I'm sure there are a lot of people who literally are just like yeah. that's weird I don't care <laughs> or something yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah um, obviously that that's not a solution for anything so it's really important to as with, with any sort of like social issue and exclusion to just educate people when they're young because yeah. I mean, we're doing all this now and um, yeah. that's like part of why I love being in GenSoc because I literally learned so much from every yeah. session, not just the one where I do research. But yeah, it also, it shows you how kind of ignorant you as a um, like non-disabled person yeah. are um, in your in your everyday life, how inconsiderate. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope mean, like, everyone listens to the podcast and starts thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like even in a situation like that, I can understand that especially if you're not um, super read up on the topic and your kid says something like that to someone who's in a wheelchair and then, and then you're like, oh my God, I don't want to say anything mm. that's not right right now. Like I don't want to accidentally misinform my child in front of this person who actually knows. But then you but don't that's have why to, I said, but then like yeah. there's nothing wrong. There's literally nothing mm. wrong with just saying to the child, oh, some people just need to like... Use a wheelchair. To use yeah, a wheelchair yeah. to get around. Mm. And then you're like, you can have a longer conversation with a kid later if you want to like prepare for it but mm-hmm. like that no one's gonna even think you, that is the wrong thing to say if even if you as a as a parent would say um oh it's a um that person isn't able-bodied or whatever um obviously that's not the the correct term or the mm-hmm. term that you would necessarily want to be referred to by but it's still like then you could be like actually yeah. This is what I would yeah. self yeah. self describe myself as. So yeah, even when you say something wrong, it's not the end of the world. No, um, no. It's but better to so like. Much better it's than better to just, to just engage the, in yeah. in the discourse instead mm-hmm. of just ignoring it and just sweeping it under the carpet. Because yeah. to so, be honest, yeah. like disability can happen to anyone. It's not yeah. like white people like oh race doesn't affect me. Mm. No. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah. If you're born fuck. like you're born a race, and that's not going to change. Mm. But like, l- like you're saying, anyone could any, anyone could like it could just happen, or it could mm. be in an accident, mm. and then you end up having to like be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You don't know. And I was studying a lot about the difference between specifically men who are born disabled and acquire a disability, and mm-hmm. how uh, they sort of view their identity. They kind of see themselves 
when they're born with it, it's like such a part of them, and it's just like they mm. don't see themselves as like a a hege- hegemonic, yeah. mm-hmm. um, like masculine person. Yeah. Um, but they accept that and they sort of like move on with it. The same yeah. that you know I've had my disability it, yeah. all my mm. life, and I don't yeah. know anything else, so I can't yeah. really compare. But if you acquire a disability, um, a lot of the studies are around spinal cord injuries, yeah. so SCIs, and the the majority of men feel like they've lost a part of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a discussion you could have about masculinity in itself. We kind yeah. of like oh, sure, traits yeah. of it, um, and it's like, well, are you let you know you feel like you're less of a man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what does that, that say about the men? Because you're disabled. Yeah. Disabled. Yeah. yeah. It just shows how fragile these constructs are. <laughs> Masculinity. What is yeah. it even? Like it's a social construct. As we uh, repeat over and over again here. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that actually made me think of what we also talked about in the session. The representation of mm-hmm. disabled people in sort of pop culture yeah. or or the media and how how problematic it is. And um yeah, it's kind of like uh, when we were talking about Glee and, and Artie, which is sort of the first thing that came to my mind as well. I'm like, mm. isn't it better to have some representation, mm. even though even when it isn't perfect or yeah. accurate, rather than just not having it at yeah. all? So you're just outlining like, what, what's like, just yeah. for the listeners, like, we're, oh, right, talking, yeah. about, we're talking about the... Uh, TV show Glee, everyone knows Glee, <laughs> and Archie, the character who is uh, in a wheelchair, and like what was what was like what did we find problematic? Well, for, what is problematic for about? one, the actor mm-hmm. isn't disabled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the main one. That which is called cripping up in the uh, industry in apparently. Wow, yikes! There's so many. Yeah, instances of that going back. I think there was like someone did a, a statistic thing about how many men, specifically men, <laughs> played um, a disabled character. In one We're not Oscar making this up, it's specifically men. And genuinely, like, there was no, like, women have played like real serial killers and real this, real that, but it yeah. was, if it's a disabled character that's won an Oscar, it's man. So, oh. like, Daniel Day Lewis uh, won out to play Christy Brown, who I'm writing my dissertation on. Um, an Irish author with cerebral palsy, uh, Eddie Redmayne one. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to mention Stephen that in the session, yeah. and I forgot. But yeah. that that's like such a big one as uh, well. Yeah. Uh, for playing a blind man in Scent of a Woman, mm-hmm. I think he won. He was definitely nominated. And Scent of a Woman. That sounds so creepy. And there's kind of like <laughs> people's <laughs> arguments for this. So is like, oh, but like, like. Anyone like anyone can't like we need a good actor yeah like first and foremost and if they're a good actor they could act as anything Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like that's a good actor is like the the like the first priority Mm -hmm. but then it's like yeah but but how about we create it like try to create a cultural community where people with disabilities Mm -hmm. like are like allowed and enabled to become good actors that are hired like what yeah I think that's some people would say quite a revolutionary idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, but also the issue in um, some of these uh, series or... Um, I brought up Wicked, where I had mm. like a really cringy moment with uh, Elphaba's oh, sister. Yeah, um, it's kind of the same thing. So I think the reason why they wanted a um, non-disabled actor to play Artie is because 
like you said in the session, every couple episodes or like every season, there's yeah. at least one episode where he dreams about yeah. being able to walk and just dances around. And yeah. it's basically just um, the message it gets across is basically, yeah, it's life uh, as a wheelchair user sucks and you're yeah. just limited. Or like the dream is always. Yeah, the dream is always. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't yeah. good at all. Uh, I know there was a lot around when Eddie Redmayne was playing Stephen Hawking mm-hmm. and it's like a person with motor neuron disease wouldn't be able to play if it was like quite late on. No. They wouldn't be able to play, you know, like scenes yeah, for when he just finds out it finds out that he has it. No, but there's, um, then it's like, well, why are we telling these stories? Why is there like such a thing? About you know why do we need to glorify Stephen Hawking more than he already? He's glorified himself as in he. And you were and saying. And also, like you could bit. also you could always have. Oh yeah, I mean I guess that one is like a difficult one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's like it is an important story to tell, but it's, it's very. I mean, it's such a like. It's like a feel-good movie, like you yeah, know what I mean. Like, yeah, that's what Katie they was don't saying really about, use yeah. it mm-hmm. for showing any like structural obstacles that you had to overcome. Yeah. you know. That's what Kaylee was saying about the two narratives that there are for disabled people. Like you're either a monster or an inspiration. Yeah, and for Stephen, the yeah. Stephen Hawking one is clearly like inspiration. an inspiration because. Yeah wow, despite your disability, yes. you're such a yeah. brain, like, you're yeah. so smart. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you have to, like, compensate with something incredible in order to get that respect. Yeah. So, like, if in you have this be... condition, you need this incredible brain that yeah. people can envy. Otherwise, it's not really be, worth like, telling your yeah, story. Exactly. Okay, so you're just so damaging. someone on benefits that's, like, doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That's... E- can we think of a couple of good examples where <laughs> actual... I think we were talking about Breaking Bad, for example, where oh, yeah, the, the, son. Um, the son of Walter... I think uh, what's his name? I don't know. I'm not Is it not just Walter Jr.? Walter Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, all, but... I'm pretty sure it was basic. But yeah, <laughs> it was very basic. Um, so yeah, when Walter Jr.'s... Um, the role of Walter Jr. is actually played by a disabled actor. Mm-hmm. Um and Which, they yeah. talk about it really well. It's not used as a sort of plot point to get over or something like yeah. that. It's mm. well, I think Walter. The reason he starts dealing or doing whatever is to pay for like medical bills mm-hmm. for himself and his son. But it's not like a you know this tragic story about how Walter had to you know no. mm. slum himself and sell drugs mm. just to save his poor son. It's like. Yeah, just showed. so like similar in in media mainstream media I feel like how how uh, specifically Hollywood but like any any sort of industry uh, portrays minority groups like if specifically for like uh, uh, I know for, for like for the gay and lesbian community it's always mm. like tragic or mm. like yeah I feel like it yes. used to be like that for a long time I feel like now it is getting with better serious like sex that. education yeah. we're sort of moving mm. into yeah. <laughs> like an era where it's kind of like oh coming out doesn't mean you have to commit suicide like it's, yeah. oh, it's yeah. okay it's more like normalized and uh, yeah so 
let's just speak about let's move on from um, <laughs> representation in the media and just mention a couple of sort of real life problems that's called like that yeah. disabled people have to deal with we talked a bit about body autonomy and violence mm -hmm. against disabled women because they are more than twice as likely to experience domestic violence mm -hmm. um, from their partners or parents I assume yeah, um, yeah. which is not shocking because we know that the more marginalized yeah. Yeah. someone is the more exposed and vulnerable yeah. they are but Yeah. When we were discussing gaslighting in the other yeah. uh, session, it mm -hmm. was very interesting. Um, from my own experience and from others, I definitely know that disabled people can be very like affected by it, if yeah. that makes... Um, mm -hmm. You know, from carers or parents or things like that, uh, in instances where they're... Yeah, their family or friends or lovers, partners are such a big part of their care yeah. routine. Um, you know, the person's... I wouldn't be able to, like, run away if I need to rely on my parents to get me out of bed. Yeah, yeah. And, no, exactly. And, and you know, be dependent. fed and be, mm. um, like, clothed and cleaned by someone so close. Like, that structure can get really that power dynamic can be really, really dangerous mm -hmm. yeah. for disabled people. And the same with, like, financial abuse. So um, I think we talked about equal pay as well. Yeah. All the different things about benefits and money if the person with a disability isn't either um, able to control their funds themselves or if they have them. I found that, but that was so shocking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If there's other barriers in the way that say, well, like, yeah, even although you... And as an individual case, could look after your money. The law says that you can't. So yeah. So when it's just like ma like making oh what is it called when you just like um like project one thing like for everyone. Oh my god. Generalizing. Yeah, I guess. Mm. Oh, well, you're like giving the same treatment to everyone, like mm -hmm. irrespective of individual experience yeah. and conditions, which is just yeah very medical. So mentally. just to make it like. Just to stress it once again, if you were to marry Esther, for example, that <laughs> would dream. mean that would mean that you would not receive social benefits anymore, and it would go to Esther. Depending on my income, yeah, that mm. would either be deducted or if I had like a care carer mm. coming in for however long, even if it was an hour a week, and I married Esther, then it's like, well, Esther, you're my carer now. That so, is absolutely um, come wash my dishes. I don't. I can't even begin. If I and I mean, then, when we're talking about domestic abuse and, and violence, I mean, how are you, like you, like you said, you're dependent mm. on that person, literally, like, you're, they yeah. have your money, like, how are you supposed, yeah, it's I mean, it's angry. hard enough anyway to sort of free yourself from, from an this abusive relationship. Yeah. But I But think it's also, like, that's a system, like, system-based removal of like relationship autonomy yes, like your sure. own your yeah. relationship you're not in charge of it anymore because mm -hmm. you can't set the like mm -hmm. conditions and parameters for what you want your relationship to be like the the government's like no like this is what you have yeah. to do because you care about each other there's loads of the same <laughs> people that are like i would never get into an interabled interabled relationship because of the yeah. risk of actually getting married it's not even yeah. like And the person who is non-disabled might find it like, oh, you don't want to marry me. That's not 
because I guess if you really really love the person and you mm. both wanted to get married but then you couldn't yeah you would feel a bit you know upset and that itself causes problems in the yeah. relationship so what? It's it's shit. Yeah, it's I think we could do an entire a... podcast episode yeah. on how shit the benefit system yeah. Yeah. Okay, is. Wild. Yeah, but I feel like that would uh, sort of blow this session out of proportion. <laughs> but yeah, um, just sort of as a last point to just talk about what, what, how can feminism become more inclusive mm. of disabled women mm. and what we can do. Um, I remember because it was... Um, it was close to March 8th and we were just kind of talking about oh yeah a, the, I mean obviously yeah, like it's great to march for equality and stuff but mm. how I mean are marches really accessible for yeah. disabled people uh no <laughs> mostly uh, no. <laughs> probably not yeah um, obviously everyone's different and they have different uh abilities so maybe some can maybe some can't but at the end of the day nothing's going to be fully accessible mm-hmm. but if you don't even try then you're sending a message that you don't belong in this yeah yeah environment because before I came to Gensok I thought oh that's feminism isn't for me they don't talk about me they don't mm. care about me it's like that sort of mainstream feminism for like cis white women yeah that yeah. where it's about um oh we need more women on boards of big corporations like, yeah. it's not about that yes at least for us <laughs> but you, yeah you were mentioning for example like the was it the pride uh, marches in Edinburgh oh yeah no? there was disability prides yeah uh, they've, there's not that many anymore uh, there was like individual marches for individual groups yeah. you've got like LGBT pride marches women's marches yeah all this uh, different type of thing but when you put them all together there is a risk of people obviously getting kind of like trampled and not um maybe ignored so things when i see maybe like an international women's day post and it's like all the cute little pictures of Mm. women and then you have the one girl on the side in a wheelchair they're like intersectionality mm. wow yeah, like, and yeah, I just don't then, like, it's, it's basically just tokenism yeah, yeah exactly yeah. tokenism and it's just, I still but then, and, and then like also like the actual like route of the walks are sometimes like yeah. especially, especially mm-hmm. like in a city like this where it's mm-hmm. just like built on levels mm-hmm. and like going up the road on miles not going to be like doable for some people mm-hmm. and that's like the main yeah route for any I mean that's just exclusionary on a mm. base yeah. level. Or so. even the like the online sort of campaigning that people do. I know a lot of people more a few years ago when there was mm. like such a need to get people out to like vote in American yeah. and UK elections. And it's like go out, do your bit. Like if you just stay at home and do nothing. Yeah, like tweeting nothing. is not enough. Tweeting is not activism and it's like, well sometimes that's all someone can do and what yeah. someone someone should have told me that before I took the position as communication <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry guys I'm so involved in activism <laughs> I tweet what? no I think today like online activism is just as important because yeah. it's reaching so much further yeah mm-hmm. um, so yeah it's not only about pushing for like physical accessibility yeah but also like socioeconomic Mm-hmm. and yeah like you mentioned online and yeah just make sure um if you're rep- i mean it's it's good if you want to represent 
disabled people, but make sure you do it properly. And yeah, and, and involve and disabled and people yeah, in yeah, like not, doing not it properly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, those those are sort of the main points. Oh my god, there are like still so many points that we talked about in the session that we've not covered, but we have to stop. <laughs> yeah, we've reached 40 minutes, so I think um, <laughs> thank you both so much, especially Kaylee. We're going to wrap it up here. So thank you. And in the next session, we briefly mentioned gaslighting. So in the next podcast, we're going to be talking about um, psychological violence, emotional abuse, and gaslighting. So yeah, make sh- uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.